0: Hello and welcome to Get Real with Ralph, where we have an opportunity every single week to talk about the issues of the day that are affecting us nationally, globally, locally, and of course right here in Kenosha County. Today I have a very special guest, Maria Salerno, who is the current Miss Kenosha. Hi, Maria, how are you? Hi,
1: Ralph, I'm good, how are you?
0: Good, good. Maria is going to be giving her crown away, not like before this episode, but giving her crown away for real. To the new Miss Kenosha on February eighth, mm-hmm. and I thought that this would be a good time to have her in and talk about her experience uh, holding that crown for a year, the experience of competing. And after that, we're going to discuss some other things that are going on in our world. So let's get started and let's get real. So Maria, how are you? I'm
1: doing well, Ralph. How are you?
0: Good, good. Good. So you, um, you grew up in Bristol?
1: Um, well, I actually started. I Grew up in Kenosha. Okay. Um, Yeah, so we lived in the old whitecaps neighborhood. So all right loyal to Kenosha Absolutely, Um, and then we moved out to the county when I was eight years old So I'm a county kid now. So hopefully that won't cause too much uh, Discrepancy with all our our city Kenosha people. (laughs) Oh, I think it'll be
0: just fine. It'll be just fine good and uh, so you went to Central, man? Yes, I Central? Did. yeah Yeah, okay. so
1: I started when I was in Kenosha I actually went to Armitage so oh wow throw back to the Armitage days
0: I used to do summer theater workshops at Armitage when I was when I was in middle school junior really high yeah
1: oh wow they had a really great theater program they I did remember. they got us all involved at such a really young age so that was really good Um, So I went for a year there and then by that time we were moving out to the county So I went to Brighton Elementary School um, Right near Brighton Dale the golf course sure and then I went to West Osia Central for high school for all four years And then now I'm at Carthage finishing my degree there Um, so Kenosha through and through, really. Through and through. So what, yeah. year, what
0: year are you at, at Carthage?
1: I'm a senior. I'm actually graduating in like 10 days, which is crazy. Yeah.
0: Wow. So, yeah. So you got a lot going on like right now at this point in your oh, life. Absolutely. You're finishing college. You're finishing your year as Miss Kenosha.
1: Yeah. So I graduate on January 31st. It's like the official day that classes end. And then February 9th, I give up the crown. So it's all happening within 10 days. Wow. Of each other. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's a very jam-packed first month or so of 2019, which I love, so.
0: So what was your childhood like growing up in Kenosha County?
1: Um, I have nothing but fond memories of my childhood here, which is great. So I think I got like that city experience growing up. And when I was living in Whitecaps, we had um, all a bunch of kids my age on our street. So I always had this group of friends growing up that we could just like pop over in each other's houses and hang out and um, just, you know, do crazy things with each other. So it was great. And then when I moved out to the county, it was a little bit of a transition for me because going from that suburban lifestyle to a very rural lifestyle, um, it was difficult. Um, But I have- So you were
0: in a subdivision out there, you're actually on a rural road? So
1: we're in a subdivision technically, but we're, required to have like six acres of land gotcha. in the neighborhood. So yes. there's like 10 houses in our neighborhood. So it's a little
0: longer walk. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. And um, w- there weren't a lot of kids in the neighborhood growing up. Um, so I relied a lot on like my school friends especially, but it really gave me a chance to um, branch out at such a young age, you know, when you move and that's such a formative time in your life, Um, when you move at that point and you have to like get new friends and um, experience something new and get out of your comfort zone, um, it really helps you learn about yourself even when you're like eight, nine, ten years old. Um, So it was, I think it really helped me grow into the person that I am today. Um, But I loved how quiet and rural Brighton is. Um, and just getting out to go outside and run around whenever I wanted to and not having to worry about like traffic or anything like that And um, we had deer like come up to our yard all the time So it was just really a neat place to grow up um, as a kid. So
0: yeah, you, you had sip two siblings.
1: I have three actually Three. okay. Gotcha Yeah, so Nick is older. He is 22 and then it's me then I have a uh, younger sister Victoria she's 19 studying biology at UW lacrosse And then Alex, I can't call him little because he's like six foot two right now. Yeah, he's the tallest in our family. Um, But he is 17 and he is finishing his time up at Westocia Central. Gotcha. Yeah, so he's a senior over there. Sports a big
0: part of your family growing up? Huge Big part part. of your life? Yeah. Yeah. And so you you played sports growing up?
1: Yes, yeah, I played a variety of sports actually. I was very much a tomboy growing up actually. Um, I played anything from softball, basketball, Volleyball. I did one year of cheerleading, so we'll count it as a sport. Sure. Um, sure. Track. I I ran track. Um, what was your event? Uh, the 800.
0: 800. Oh, so you like distance?
1: I don't like to, I don't <laughs> like distance actually, but we had so many sprinters at Brighton, and they needed somebody to run the 800, and my coach was like, he asked me, but it was not really an ask. It was like you're gonna. Run you're the
0: running 800. the 800. My yeah, son yeah. Ran, ran the 800 in middle school. I, I liked it. It was the yeah, I yeah. Liked yeah. I think it's.
1: It's like, it's not quite the mile. It's not quite a sprint. So it's kind of like this weird in between that you have to really kind of time out yeah, um, and know when you're gonna make your move and whatnot. But at our county meet, I took first. So that was Fun. really cool, yeah. yeah. And then my coach was really disappointed when I didn't go on a run track. Do you still know. run? No, I don't. I hate running actually. <laughs> <laughs> really hate running.
0: You sounded exactly like my son. He hates running too, but he did really? it. Really, but did he it. did it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and he was a wrestler and you had to run if you wanted to. Yeah. You know, that's the best endurance training there is, I really believe that.
1: No, I believe it too, it's, and I wish I liked running more because I think it has such a benefit for her, for our health, but I just I just can't do it. I
0: think it's good for your mind.
1: Yeah.
0: Running, not on a treadmill. I'm getting no, out. Not a treadmill. Getting out, putting some shoes on either putting some headphones on or sometimes not. Yeah. And it's it's an experience where you're able to clear your mind that's different than it's like working out and meditating at the same time almost.
1: Yeah, it is. One of the cool things about living out in the county is we have so many um, like little parks and whatnot. And one of the parks, the Silver Lake one um, right by the Fox River out um, in Silver Lake, and they have these great running trails over there and it's just so peaceful to go back there and just disconnect for a while um and have time like by yourself or with somebody else quietly running um it's very peaceful very relaxing like that meditation that you were talking about
0: it helps you get yeah you get in the zone
1: yeah That's yeah and focus it. and so center yourself yeah
0: ultimately you settled on and and played mostly tennis right
1: yes okay yeah so i actually Well, I was a softball player. That was my big sport growing up. Okay. Um, Then I played for a long time. And so when I went to high school, I knew that I was going to try out for the softball team, but I wanted a fall sport to keep me active and in shape while I wasn't in softball season. And so I thought I was going to do swimming because I had also taken swimming lessons for a while and I was a a decent swimmer for my height. I mean, I'm short for swimmers, Um, but I um, thought I was going to be a swimmer. And then uh, my grandpa actually plays tennis he's in his mid to late 70s um, and he still plays tennis three times a week. And so he like kind of planted the seed in my mind. And so when I was a freshman, I was like, oh, maybe I'll try tennis for a year, you know? So I walked on the court freshman year. I had never picking up picked up a tennis racket in my life. Wow. And I hit it like a baseball bat because that's, that's what I was known to do. And so I was hitting balls over the fence and into other courts and um, I was a work in progress. but the tennis coaches at Westotia, Paul and Pat brings, they are, um, a, a married couple in um, their um, seniors. so they drive from Oak Creek all the way down to Westosha They started the program. Holy they, yeah, they invest so much time into their athletes, which I think is something that's so unique nowadays. They don't care about your skill level. They just care that you're improving year after year. They want you to be a better athlete, but more importantly, like a better person. And so I really thrived under that kind of coaching. And so um, I went to summer programs and I did, I never took any lessons, any private lessons. I just did like their free camps, um, their open hitting sessions in the summertime, et cetera. And then I made varsity my sophomore year, which was crazy. Um, played uh, on the varsity team until I was a senior, um, almost went to state a couple times. So. Um, almost being the key word (laughs) and then um, I was in contact with Brady Lindsley over at Carthage to play tennis and he um, convinced me to come out and play for them and I was really bad my freshman year because I had never had that private lesson experience and a lot of these girls have been playing since they were like first grade exactly private lessons since they could walk right Mm -hmm. so I was definitely behind but I just put a lot of work in and I was grateful especially to have a lot of great assistant coaches that were willing to put a lot of time in with me on and off the court um, and just work on even just like different workouts that we could do or get private hitting in. Um, and so I was really lucky to have that great support system. And I ended up making the varsity team my junior and senior years. And, um,
0: well you put in the work though.
1: I had a lot of people along the way to help me as well. Um, but it was definitely a struggle, um, because I was at kind of a, a disadvantage. Um, and I was just really grateful to have such a great support, support system along the way that was really willing to, um, help me out and get all that extra time and, and allow me to, to have the opportunity to work hard in the first certainly, place. certainly certainly yeah.
0: But don't don't diminish the fact that you put in the work <laughs> Thank you because there are so there are so many youth out there that have all the advantages they sure. have the the private coaches and everything and If they don't want it 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 doesn't matter. Yeah. My mindset is so important and it is a it's it is a says a lot about you that you highlighted the people that helped you and how grateful you are says a lot about your work ethic as a person too and so I'm not saying don't be grateful being that's awesome that you are Mm -hmm. but don't diminish the fact that those people are probably grateful that they had a student that they had a athlete who was willing to to be coachable and and listen Mm -hmm. I can tell you as someone who has been involved on both sides as an athlete and in coaching Mm -hmm. that you're always grateful when you have that one or two people that might not have all the natural talents to start with, right. might not have the experience, but listen yeah. and work and and take it to that next level. And that will do so much more for you mm-hmm. than all the advantages that the other people had that they didn't take advantage of. Mm-hmm. And, and and I truly mean that. I'm sure that that probably translated somewhere into the Miss Kenosha pageant and we'll definitely get there. Yeah. Because you had told me before we uh, before we interviewed Summer Long Line that you also started piano a little later than most correct when did you start playing piano when I was in
1: third grade third grade okay yeah.
0: so you started piano in third grade mm-hmm. and of course piano was your talent piece that you did for uh, for the scholarship pageant correct. last year mm-hmm. so tell me about your experience playing piano Started in third grade
1: yeah I did um, so growing up in my house my parents really wanted us to be well-rounded kids so we had a couple of rules just in our house and we had to maintain straight A's we had to Straight A's. Yes. What happened if you got a B? <laughs> they were understanding about it, yeah. As long as you tried your best. So they
0: set the expectation, but then they didn't completely like crush your life when, when, you, exactly. missed, when you missed it by a little bit.
1: Just a little bit. Do right.
0: you think that you would have... So you got a few B's in high school?
1: Yeah, I did. And in college as well.
0: If their expectations were that you at least get B's, do you think that you would have ended up getting C's? Do you think that that higher expectation meant that
1: no i think what really was around the expectation was that we put in as much effort as possible and that we knew that school was our job
0: but what i'm saying is if the expectations would have been lower do you think that you would have do you think you would have performed as well do you think those high expectations helped
1: yeah um i think they helped but i also think that naturally i'm a person who likes um to i'm a high achiever I'm an overachiever. You want to crush instead. it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I yeah. was, was going to do it regardless. Okay. But it certainly helped to have those guidelines. Sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, so we had to maintain a high GPA, um, but we also had to play an instrument and be in a school play and be an athlete. So wow, we were yeah. So we so were, they were
0: really pushing to be completely well rounded.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the instrument they started us in piano, and then you know when you get to a band in like fifth grade, you get to kind of pick an instrument. And right. They we're like, okay, you can you can pick an instrument. But After now you've
0: that, already had a bass.
1: Yeah, you have your like your bass music. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so that's how I started in piano, and then I eventually picked up trumpet and guitar along the way. Do you still play? i don't unfortunately i had a really great teacher for guitar and piano actually Um, i don't know if you remember dave navias he was a teacher out of um, westosha and his wife taught at union grove but they were killed in a motorcycle accident um when i was a freshman in high school and he was my guitar teacher and my piano teacher and so that was Oh goodness yeah so that was a really tragic moment it was very sudden um, kind of a tragic moment for me, and I have not played guitar since, but it's on my bucket list to pick it up again and get back at it. Um, but I stuck with piano, um, obviously, and so when I was picking my talent for Miss Kenosha, I thought about singing, but I knew that piano was really where I was passionate in uh-huh. music, and that was it was just a no brainer, really. Um, so that's how I ended what you, up picking
0: the talent. What do you play mostly?
1: Classical, Classical. chopin.
0: Chopin. Yes. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. He by far is my favorite um, composer. Um so yeah, I primarily play, play his works.
0: I gotta write I gotta write Chopin down
1: here. You just, should. I,
0: yeah, well I mean I listen to Chopin, but I but yeah. I it just made me think of an idea, so I'm gonna put it here. Oh,
1: okay. I love I love new ideas.
0: So you play piano in the competition. What, what piece did you play?
1: I don't remember what I played for Miss Kenosha, actually, which sounds really bad. Um
0: No, it doesn't.
1: But I've been so focused on my Miss Wisconsin piece that I kind of pushed it to the... Oh, it was a nocturne, I think. Um, and it was by Chopin, I believe. I'll get, I'll find you the title later on. <laughs> but my awesome. Miss Wisconsin piece was the one that I have been focusing on, obviously, um, you know, for months now. And so I've kind of pushed everything to the and, side.
0: And, and which piece was that?
1: It was Malaguina.
0: And we're definitely going to get to the Miss Wisconsin piece because I have... <laughs> I have questions about yes. all of that uh, I would love to uh and and we're gonna jump on that um when did you start doing pageants uh
1: when I started miss Kenosha
0: that was your first pageant
1: so I ran for Miss Kenosha when Katie won okay two years ago that was my first one and I needed scholarship money to stay at Carthage um and Joya had told me about the pageant and I was like oh okay cool like, love Joya isn't yeah, she amazing she's truly the best I... she,
0: she came in here on I think our second or, or, or third episode yes. and funny story with her her mom and I were in a play together when I was in junior high and her mom was probably early 20s
1: okay yeah where, where were you guys in the play together we
0: were in the the Miss Kenosha scholarship uh, group you used to put on a play every year as a fundraiser
1: really yeah. I didn't know that
0: yes and there is a school teacher at McKinley Elementary named mm-hmm. Lou Cristiano and I was a student at McKinley Junior High at the time singing in choir okay. and we walked over to McKinley Elementary to sing for the elementary kids to get them to sign up for choir
1: Cool.
0: and I had a solo
1: yeah
0: and after my solo this teacher comes up to me the sixth grade teacher and says how would you like to be in a play and I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, I've never been in a play before. Yeah. So this is before cell phones and emails and faxes and all that. Mm-hmm. He writes his phone number down on a piece of notebook paper, folds it up, mm-hmm. says, give this to your mom and dad. It's my home phone number. Have them call me. Mm-hmm. So I brought it home, and my mom and dad called Lou, and I showed up at the auditions for Gypsy. I don't know if you've ever heard of Gypsy. I haven't. Gypsy was a, a Broadway musical about the life of Gypsy Rose Lee, who was a famous stripper.
1: Oh, I have heard of her, yes.
0: And Gypsy's a real story. It's it's a very cool story. It starts out, she was actually a child actress during the days of vaudeville. Mm -hmm. You know what vaudeville is? Yeah. And so she was the big sister of the child star, actually. The child star was a girl, Baby June. And I remember that a Kenosha girl played Baby June. Uh, Corey Andrioli, who is uh, still a Kenosha girl, mm-hmm. and I can't remember who played her her sister Rose in the early in the early part, but then Rose grows up, and vaudeville fades away, and Rose becomes the famous stripper Gypsy Rose Lee, mm. and Joya's mom played the stripper.
1: Wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a wild it's, story! It was a
0: wild, it was yeah. a wild play. Oh, I bet. And we had we had a really good cast of a lot of well known Kenosha people, people from Kenosha families. Sure. Uh, Maria Terabasi w- uh, was a choreographer at the time in New York City and okay. Lou flew her in to do the choreography. And she ended up playing a part because one of the actresses had to quit because her husband was threatening to kill her.
1: Oh Oh, it was a lively oh It was
0: such a lively, crazy never a dull story. Moment. Yeah. never a dull moment. And I was oblivious. I was just yeah, I was a, right? a junior. yeah, I was yeah. in seventh grade. I was a junior high kid maybe yeah. seventh eighth grade somewhere around mm-hmm. there. And I was a newsboy. And um. so it was, and the part was almost like, every time I see the movie Newsies, I feel like mm-hmm. that, that, like they took the Newsboy character from Gypsy and turned it into an entire movie. Oh, because funny. it was, you know, I was basically a Newsie. Yeah. And we had to come out there and we had to sing the song and I can still, and I'm not doing it, but <laughs> do I can, it. I can do the choreography still. I can still remember the choreographer yelling, Two, three, four, like in the gap of the song. So if I hear the song, even if like I put show tunes on, I know that sounds yeah. really crazy at no, my house. My it. kids are listening, and it was extra, extra. Hey, look at the headlines! Historical news is being made. Two, three, four. Yeah. And I, it's only every time I hear that song, I think two, three, four, yeah. and then, like the next move right. to this day because it's the first time I ever did any sort of dancing. Yeah. I can't dance for for crap. I've got Neither two left I. feet, I. Yeah. but I can, I can do, I can do a chorus line. You know, if you beat it into my head enough times, right. I could probably still maybe pull it off. I
1: think for your next episode, we should recreate your choreography and make you, make <laughs> you do it. I, I just think that we should, that we should do that. I We're, think the people need to see it.
0: You do, huh? Yeah, I do. Newspaper bag and everything?
1: Yeah, exactly. Did you what? have one of
0: the like the newsies? Yeah, we have the, oh, we have yeah. the, we had the hats on and in the beginning we're all yelling,
1: Extra, extra, read
0: all about it and we're walking around with, with the newspapers and then the song starts and everybody runs to their place. Yep. And then you have the newspapers and it was something like Here's the paper, extra, extra, hey look at the headlines, historical news is being made two, three, four, extra, extra, we're drawing a red line, yeah, we just do the whole thing, yeah, I already did it, now we don't have to, now we don't have to do that. I
1: think we should still do it, but I'll I'll let you off the hook for this time.
0: So that was the, uh, that was the bit, and Joya's mom was in it, Joya's aunt Monica uh, Del Conte was in it, Uh and uh, we had a great time, and then, joy had already been miss kenosha she was the previous miss kenosha at this point in time okay and of course joya came along in 2000 and won it and won miss wisconsin yep and so that was like a step up for kenosha now we had somebody win miss wisconsin and laura came along and you know won miss america a few years after that right and so it's it's cool to see something that's so traditional still alive yes i don't care what anybody says yeah and uh i want to talk about that like toward the closing segment Mm -hmm. got a couple of uh serious subjects that we're going to transition to so we're going to have a quick break here and then we're going to we're going to talk about uh a a couple of issues that are going on in in, in our world right now that i i I really like your opinion on Mm -hmm. and so we'll be right back on the next segment here at get real with ralph Alright so we're back on Get Real with Ralph and I have with me today current Miss Kenosha Maria Salerno and while we were on the break we got a chance to watch together the Gillette commercial that has stirred up all this controversy in the country and you didn't see the commercial before today right? Correct. I I saw all the controversy and I have to be honest I cut through the clutter and decided not to really listen too much. I mean, I know that there's people that are angry because they find it insulting to in men. And there's people angry on the left because they think that, that men are overbearing. And I didn't want to listen to too many people's opinions. I wanted to actually watch it first. And I watched it once last night. And I watched it once now today with you. So seeing it for the first time, what's your gut reaction to the commercial itself?
1: I think the underlying message is something that's really good. And I think that has been taken a little bit out of context. Um, I think, you know, when they say in the commercial, men need to hold other men accountable for their actions, especially in this era um, where we're seeing a lot of, like, sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations come to light, yeah. I think that's important. We do have to have other men um, hold each other accountable. I think that's really important, and, and I can see why people might be angry about it, of course. And I'm. Um, I think it's important that we understand why people are angry about it. But I also think the underlying, I see what Gillette was getting at. You know, I see I like, the underlying message that they were trying to get at. Um, and I think it's a positive one um, that they were trying to, to implement with this commercial.
0: I don't see anything wrong with reminding people that doing the right thing is always the choice you should make.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't see Gillette going beyond that and saying men are bad. Mm -hmm. I didn't even see Gillette going and saying masculinity is bad. I think that people who have supported that commercial have gone off on a tangent, on a man-bashing tangent. Mm -hmm. If you look at the actual commercial itself and the content of it, I don't really see man bashing going on
1: there. right I think it's more of like a do the right thing which is something that's important and that's something that absolutely should always be do the right thing yeah
0: so now what's happened I th- is that people have picked up this commercial and started to use it as a man bashing hammer mm-hmm. and that's caused this reaction from people on the right to run to the, to the rescue of men and say you're man bashing mm-hmm. and that's all I heard and I said I got to watch the actual commercial first and, yeah. and, and get my own opinion of it mm-hmm. and honestly as a person who has been more right of center my whole life Mm -hmm. and i have been i've always said that people make a industry of being offended Mm -hmm. and this time it's the right that's making that that is being professionally offended like it's like your profession to be offended because as a man as a father i'm not offended by saying hey those of us who are doing the right thing need to remind other people to do the right thing. Let's, mm-hmm. let's take man or woman out of it. We should be reminding the people around us that it's always better to do the right thing.
1: Right, aside from whatever. Aside from that. gender, yeah.
0: And we all have a tendency to sometimes have this knee-jerk reaction to do something that isn't the right thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you stop and you think. And that kind of tells you stop and think. Right. That being said, this narrative that masculinity is toxic
1: mm-hmm. is
0: a terrible, terrible narrative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't believe there's such a thing as toxic masculinity. I think here's what's happening, mm-hmm. all right? And and, and I, I took some statistics down, Okay. and this, this is interesting, okay? 25% of all children today being raised without fathers, okay? Mm-hmm. 77% of all of our teachers are women, mm-hmm. my wife included, all right? And 70% of all mothers, single, married, partnered, whatever, are f- working full-time. The problem isn't masculinity, and or this made-up term toxic masculinity. Mm. The problem is lack of fathers,
1: mm.
0: lack of male influence, uh, and lack of of time to even raise our own children in some cases. Sure. And y- you were brought up. You were fortunate enough to be brought up in a two-parent hustle where your mom stayed home and and, and was there with you.
1: Yeah. So because of nick's situation he has cerebral palsy he can't walk and he can't talk
0: now nick is your brother just for everybody else okay yes he's sorry he's my
1: older brother um and he's been the center of my years miss kenosha but he requires so much care constant care Um, and so my mom um, when he was born in 96 she gave up her career she was a working woman before that she gave up her career in order to dedicate herself to Nick's medical needs. And so my dad was the one who was going out and working. Um, and my mom loves being a stay-at-home mom. Yep. And she doesn't, there, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. There and especially, isn't. yeah, especially with my family and the, the medical circumstances that it required, there's, you know, we almost didn't have a choice, but she has really s- embraced the role of a stay-at-home mom and a stay-at-home And
0: parent. it's a real role.
1: Oh, it is, it is not yes. it's not
0: the lack of a role no and I think that it starts to. I think and it doesn't matter it could be a stay-at-home mother it could be a stay at home father I yes. have a very good personal friend whose wife is a pediatrician mm-hmm. he's a stay-at-home dad yeah because he can right but there is a parent who is in constant content and constant involvement in their children's lives and let's face it raising raising children has become a full-time job
1: It's not easy
0: school has yeah. changed right the amount of focus needed to succeed has changed mm-hmm. sports yeah. has changed
1: yeah.
0: everything has changed the, there's More and more demands on, on your students time. There's mm-hmm. more and more demands on your time as a parent, right? And If you can afford to have one parent be a breadwinner and the other parent take Charge of running a household Mm -hmm. and parenting, right? I think that that is probably the still to this day the most ideal situation in which a child can grow up in this country Mm -hmm. and If you can't afford to make that happen, and I understand that there are families that can't afford to make that happen Mm -hmm. If that shouldn't stop you from starting a family, right? But some mindfulness, some give and take, figuring out where the sacrifices are going to be. My wife is a teacher, I'm self-employed. Right. So I'm the one who can leave at three o'clock in the afternoon and go mm-hmm. pick my kids up from school and do some of those things. And they do have a little a, a little period where they have some aftercare, but they, yeah. don't, they don't have to stay there till five o'clock every night. Right. Uh, it's unusual that they're there more than an hour. Sure. We're taking our kids to practice, we're coordinating things together. And it can be done with two working parents. But we're already talking about making the decision to have my wife stay home because it's a decision, not because not because my wife is uneducated or not no. able to, mm-hmm. to, to do things. So this, this stigma that got put out there, I think needs to be eliminated.
1: Yeah, I think also it's important to realize that, I mean, this is coming from an outside perspective of somebody who isn't a parent, but that watching my parents, I've noticed that parenting is a balance. So when, you know just because my mom is at home with us and she's a stay-at-home mom um, it's a job but that does also doesn't mean that my dad isn't a parent to us you know what i mean you know there's there's that balance there and so we got to watch my mom be like a very hands-on parent but we also got to watch my dad be very successful in his career and learn that ambition but i think um for people who have two working parents it's also like a very similar balance you know you have to watch your parents you know, manage a career and also manage a family. Um, and so many families who have two working parents are very successful at that. And so I just think it's like important that we realize that parenting is just such a balance so that there's no right or wrong way to do it, if that makes sense. And that it just depends on like the family. That makes, that makes perfect sense. The situation that you're in. Yeah, right? that
0: makes that makes perfect sense. And and I imagine in a sense, having a, having a child with special needs. Mm-hmm having a first child with special needs on top of it all must be a very scary thing because you don't even have the lens to look at it of having raised children before and now your first experience your first everything is with a child who has special needs I imagine that forced your parents to put more focus on parenting
1: yes Absolutely.
0: But not only did it force them to put more focus on parenting, it also forced them to accept less than ideal circumstances. Oh, yeah. Because first time parents, first time parents, if they do put focus on parenting, then it's they, they're going to create this perfect environment for their child. right? And then when their child steps out of that box that they've created for them, it, it becomes this, this interruption of their plan. The ideal the, the ideal situation yeah. I read a I read a very good book called the conscious parent that I think everybody should read unfortunately I didn't read it to I already been a parent for 16 years mm-hmm. that really talks about fostering your child's development as the best themselves they can be as opposed to trying to make them into something because at the end of the day you can't right you can't even you can't even effect you can raise your child with the values of your faith mm-hmm. Which I have and I do, but you can't even guarantee that your child is going to keep that faith. Right. They're, they're going to stay the same religion. Mm-hmm. That they are going to. That they are going to flourish in math and science, or they're going to flourish in Spanish, or they're going to flourish in music, or whatever it is that you start leading them to. So you have to lead them to lots of different things and pay attention to them and pay attention to what they. Are good at, right. and I imagine that's amplified times ten. You can ten x all that when you have a special needs child, yeah. because what you're doing is you're sitting back and you're watching your child develop. And then right. when you find this glimmer of hope in a certain area, you're you're going to focus on that area, and that probably right. makes you probably makes you a better parent if you if you accept that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times parenting is learning from your child as well. Yes. And being like an just being open to your child's experiences and learning from them so my mom when she was like my age she never wanted to get married or have kids which is (laughs) super funny because she's been married for almost 30 years and now has four kids and yeah so it's it's funny what was your mom's Um,
0: occupation before uh, she
1: worked in human resources at adp in chicago okay yeah um and then she met my dad through some mutual friends from college they both went to uw madison but they didn't know each other at the time and they had mutual friends it turned out Um, and that's how she met my dad, and then she's like, oh, okay, I'll get married, you know, he's definitely worth it, so I could see myself with them, so they got married, and then they just lived, I mean, married, obviously, for seven years, and then my mom, like, one day, she was at a party, and she was like, holding somebody's baby normally she like never did it but her friend really needed her to like hold a baby at the time and the <laughs> baby was like sleeping in her arms and like, they're
0: contagious crazy. apparently right yeah right yeah. and she
1: was like she was like <laughs> oh okay she's like i could do this like one perfect kid like would be great and she tells us st- my mom's an inspirational speaker so she tells the story wherever she goes and then your mom's an
0: inspirational speaker yes when can we have her on
1: oh i'll absolutely i'll, I'll let you know that's awesome um but then nick was born with cp and in many people's eyes, he's far from perfect. I mean, not in our eyes. We think he's incredible. Of course. Um, but, you know, there's obviously challenges there. And so right away, they had to reinvent that ideal situation that you were talking about um, because Nick requires so much care. But they, they thought they were going to have to teach Nick so much in life. And at every turn, Nick has taught us so much more. I mean, just incredible lessons about perseverance and determination and work ethic and um he's one of the most positive people that I have ever met and for a guy who can't walk and talk you would think that he would be pretty angry at life you know but he
0: it sure makes the rest of you have zero excuses doesn't it oh yeah every time zero i excuses. every
1: time i think i'm having a bad day i think about everything that nick goes through on a day to day basis i mean waking up and knowing that the world is against you It's crazy. And the fact that he gets up every day with a smile on his face and he's ready to take on the day, he's ready to to face those challenges. You know, my problems are so insignificant compared to that. And so that's given me such a good outlook on life. But that was something that he's taught us.
0: Now that's become a passion of yours. Oh, absolutely. Working with, with, with kids with disabilities. Yes. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing there.
1: Sure, so I actually created a Girl Scout patch for Girl Scouts in the area to earn and we do um, like a seminar on um, how to recognize kids with disabilities, how to be accepting and inclusive of them. So my official platform title is See the Gift, Disability Acceptance and Inclusion and that's because we want to see the gift of somebody who's special or different and has different abilities from us. Nick has come with me on most of my school visits, which is so awesome. Really? Yes. So we, we'll walk in and we do a lot of like grade school and middle school visits because that's such a formative age for these kids. Yes. So we'll walk in and in Nick's case Roland and <laughs> he'll come he'll come in and it's quiet. Because for a lot of these kids, they haven't seen somebody who can't walk or can't talk and Nick makes sounds, so you know, sounds that aren't words.
0: How does he communicate?
1: He communicates with his eyes. Okay. Which is how we, we we teach the kids that method of communication. So he looks this way to say yes, this way to say no, up in the air for I don't know, and then down at the ground if he wants you to repeat the question. So we teach the kids how to communicate with them. And we start with really simple questions, and we teach them how he does multiple choice by looking at different points in the room. And then these kids, we, we encourage them to ask questions, and we tell them right away that there's no question that you can't ask, and there's no question that we're gonna feel offended by, because we want you to learn, and we want to create a culture of learning in that space for them. And especially kids sometimes can be worried about asking questions in a space that's unfamiliar for them about yes. like, an unfamiliar topic. I can imagine
0: them being very scary to children who've never exactly. experienced that before.
1: Right, and then, you know your brother
0: sounds like your brother sounds incredible I'd like
1: yes no you should have him on I think you would really enjoy it Um, but it's funny because we watch this transformation so these kids are so scared and then they start to ask him questions and once they realize that they have so much more in common with Nick than differences and they might perceive they want to ask him everything they want to know every little thing like who he thinks is gonna win the NBA Finals What's his favorite ice cream flavor? Um, Packers or bears, you know, Packers, of course. Um, But like things like that, you know? And so at the end, I mean, we teach the kids that you can't get a disability by touching somebody, which is really important. Right. And so at the end, they want to give them hugs and they want to give them high fives. And we have, we get letters all the time from classrooms that um, talk about the impact that Nick has made on their lives. one of the teachers um, over at St. Joe's, um, said that her like 7, 8 and 9 year old students said that Nick changed their lives at 7 years old which is crazy for a 7 year old to be using that terminology it's just amazing so we've we've done that with him I
0: think I think our I think the children of today are able to be more self aware because so much more information is available to them yeah in general so I I think the brain patterns of the thinking process may you know has definitely evolved from right. even 25 30 years ago when I when I was a child or yeah. even 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 10 years even ago 10 when, 10 years ago, when yeah. you were a child absolutely yeah. yeah
1: i mean the questions that these kids ask are so advanced and you think and so you think important.
0: i would have thought of a question? No, that's smart I, at that age no as a 7
1: year old i yeah. wouldn't even know how to spell life changing you know like right. it's crazy they're the yeah. fact that they're using this terminology and asking such informed questions is amazing um so we got to do that with nick which is amazing and then we actually i wrote my senior thesis at carthage about ways to improve the hiring of um, individuals with disabilities in the workplace and so we actually got to go up to governor scott walker's office and present that to his um like employment team which was really really great Um, i had a meeting up there and we tried to bring a program to kenosha um it's like a like a bridge the gap program almost for like kids who are in high school and want to go into the workforce that um, like helps them with that transition. Unfortunately the state was out of funding for it which was a little bit disappointing but fingers crossed for this year that we'll be able to be to get that in there and bring it to Kenosha. Um, but just the fact that Nick was able to go with me for that experience and um, you know present to these government employees and then we were working on actual tangible change was it was so rewarding. So he's been with me every step of the way which has been great.
0: That is. Completely inspiring.
1: Thank you. He's he's the reason why I get out of bed in the morning and he is the inspiration for my life So
0: what are your future plans for what you're doing with with children with disabilities?
1: So I want to bring that program to Kenosha primarily, Um, so I'll be reaching out to the new um, governor's administration um, within the next couple of weeks here as I kind of getting um, settled in Um, but I also hope to work more with the Kenosha Achievement Center. Okay. Um, they have a great program, especially in the summertime for um, youth in the area who have disabilities about like um, learning how to develop soft skills and resumes and things like that and then actually going in and like testing the waters in like a job situation. I'd so love to volunteer there at some point and um, really get the word about, about, word out about all the programs that they're doing there um, for people with special needs in the Kenosha community. So
0: That's great, that's great stuff. Now, I'm going to come full circle back full to where circle. we started, which is very cool. Yes. Because we started off talking about razors. And not really, really razors, yeah. but this toxic masculinity. And we talked about parenting. And that, right. and that led us to your brother, which I wanted to get to. Yeah. And I'm glad we covered that. Mm-hmm. And now we're coming full back circle to this entire notion that masculinity is toxic. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem isn't the commercial. I think the problem is people saying that masculinity is equal to bullying. Mm. And I, I see masculinity as absolutely the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. I think that being a man, being a woman too, right. but being an adult, okay? Yeah. But I'm going to talk about being a man because this is what it's about, is teaching the, the men of the future, as they said, to be good human beings.
1: Yeah.
0: That is the definition of masculinity. So mas- that, that commercial didn't put masculinity under attack the culture warriors on, on both sides started a food fight over it mm-hmm. and they're saying that you know that masculinity is bad on one side masculinity is good hey you know what there is nothing wrong and still right now with identifying as man as a man's man and that's somebody who is going to stick up mm-hmm. for people that are less fortunate yeah. stick up for people that, that need that help stick up for what's right that is the, I think what needs happens, we need to take that term back, masculinity, and say there's no such thing as toxic masculinity. That's called bullying. That's the opposite. That That's not having parents. Yeah. That's not having parenting. And when boys are growing up and they start to feel this personal power and they don't know how and where to apply it mm-hmm. because they don't have a role model, mm-hmm. then they become bullies sure. because they're trying to try out this new power that they have and they haven't been taught different. And so everybody needs to get a life. Everybody needs to realize it is really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. We just talked about things that are a big deal. The commercial, maybe it had some sort of underground political message, but I missed it, all right? All I saw was do the right thing. So I say don't take it and use it as a way to bash men.
1: Mm.
0: On the flip side, don't take it Don't take it as, I, I'm not offended by it mm-hmm. because I, I don't, I've never been a bully.
1: Mm-hmm. I've
0: never, I've always taught kids along the way to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I've had sons who didn't have fathers in their lives, or I've, I my sons have had friends who didn't have fathers in their lives, mm-hmm. I should say, and I've always brought them with and taken them on, on wrestling trips mm-hmm. or whatever we were doing. or had them over at my house for dinner and I've always tried to be an influence on them as well. One of them is serving the military right now and he sent me this really nice message about How much that influence meant to him yeah and so i think we're doing the right thing right Mm -hmm. now and we we need to give ourselves credit Mm -hmm. and realize that the very few people that aren't are the anomaly Mm. you know the the this me too movement has turned into a man bashing festival at some points and times when the 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 truth is the overwhelming majority of boys the overwhelming majority of young men the overwhelming majority of adult men are not predators Mm -hmm. they're not yes there are boys who during their coming of age do stupid things and make bad decisions I'm sure they grow beyond that and decide later on "Wow, that was dumb that's mm-hmm. part of their coming of age but overall I, I think we're still a good people in this country yeah And that, that we need to focus on what's good and what what holds us together instead of what what breaks us apart right. we're gonna take another short break and when we come back from that break we are going to talk about the finding of Jamie Claus mm and the fact that she was found unhurt and and what all that means so stay tuned we got one more segment of this episode of get real with Ralph Nudy and Maria Salerno
1: No, I don't want to take her out with Douglas her. County, 911. Hi. I have um, a young lady at my house right now, and she says her name is Jamie Kloss. Okay, what's your address? It's in Gordon, Wisconsin.
0: Okay, have you seen her photo,
1: ma'am? Yes, it, it is it her. I 100% think it is her. Right, okay. 100%. Does it look like she's going to run? No. She's sitting down. She's relaxing.
0: Okay, hang on just a second. We're back on Get Real with Ralph, and that audio that you just heard was the actual nine one one call that was placed to the police when Jamie Closs was found. Gosh, I have no idea what what that what that girl went through. No. But I have to say that in spite of everything she went through, what a what a brilliant, smart girl mm-hmm. to not only get herself free, but to able to at that age process what was going on around her learn names figure out where she was give enough information that they were able to apprehend uh her her captor Mm -hmm. in in a very short period of time while he was apparently actually out looking for her which is just I, I just can't even believe that 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 kind of evil uh, absolutely exists out there. No,
1: and I think I'm. I have taken not like an interest in this case, but it's really hit home for me. And I think I mean it's hit home for a lot of people. Sure,
0: I, just, I mean this about, this isn't this isn't inner city Chicago. This isn't even inner city Kenosha or Milwaukee. Well, this is out in the middle of nowhere, you know, a rural town right. where. This Patterson character, obviously a, a, a psychopath, yeah. decided that he wanted to possess somebody's child, Right. planned out an attack, shaved his head so that he wouldn't leave any DNA evidence behind, carefully, methodically plotted it out, knew that he couldn't leave any witnesses based on his interview with the police, right. came in assassinated a mother and a father, Mm -hmm. and then walked out with a child in his possession as if she was going to just be his property for the rest of his life to do with what
1: he pleased. Right. I think especially the part when he said that it was just him watching her get on a school bus one day. Like, he didn't know her he just drove past and watched her get on a school bus, and he said that that's how he knew that she was going to be the girl that he took. That's horrifying to me, yep. because I remember, you know, you all get this, on a school bus every every single day when you're in all this school and high all school. this
0: worrying we do, and I'm not saying the the worrying is unfounded, but all this worrying we do about keep your kids off social media, mm-hmm. make sure people don't know who your kids are, have this 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 level of anonymity. And here is a family living in rural America, rural Wisconsin. And it was as simple, like you said, as he saw her get on a school bus. So none of that came into play at right. the end of the day. People, mm-hmm. people thought that it w- may have because she had access to a smartphone, and there was a lot of speculation mm-hmm. before she was found that somehow she was involved, you know, because people say mean things. And I, I hate when people jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm because there was no conclusion to jump to other than this is a horrifying experience for her. Yeah. She no longer has her parents with her. Right, I'm sure has had unimaginable things happen to her from the time she was taken to the time that she escaped. Mm-hmm. And yet she managed to gather up the strength as, as, a, as a human being to not only escape but provide enough information. For the swift apprehension yeah. of a of, of man that, that is responsible for killing both of her parents i
1: mean she watched both of her parents die in front of her i can't even imagine how terrified she was to even think about escaping and the consequences of if he had caught her and the fact that she i think she that, did it i
0: think the consequences for her were she could die right and what so what
1: right at
0: at that point because I'd rather be dead Mm. than live that existence and I imagine that something along the lines of that Mm. had to have registered in her in her young mind yes that there is if if there's any way to get away and then to to think that he was driving around looking for her
1: yeah he said he saw like the footprints in the snow because she stole his shoes because mm-hmm. he took, like, all of her clothes and, like, burned them or whatever. And so then she, like, took his shoes. And then he saw, like, the footprints in the snow. And he said he knew right away that she was gone and that he had to start looking for her. It's horrifying. And then he, I think he also told the police, too, that he had, like, planned it out so meticulously that if he, like, hadn't, like, messed up by allowing her to get away or whatever, they never would have found her. It's just... It's unfathomable to me that somebody can think that way about another human being.
0: It's It, it, it shocks me to the core.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it should shock everybody to the yeah. core. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. You can't do anything about it.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Evil exists. Right. You have to... Th- there's not a... Somebody has to pass a law. Mm-hmm. There is no, and, and, and that's always the answer. Is well, there? There ought to be a, a law. There ought to be a system. There are, evil exists. Yeah. The, you have to acknowledge have that evil exists. You have to be aware of it. You right. have to be vigilant. Mhm. You have to arm yourselves, and I don't just mean with weapons. Although I I do think that citizens arming themselves with weapons in general is is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously we're not gonna have 13-year-olds getting on a bus with a handgun I'm not saying <laughs> that, but you have to arm yourself with information yeah you have knowledge. to arm yourself with knowledge mm-hmm. you have to arm yourself physically in some cases you know, and you have to be vigilant yeah because this sort of thing can happen to anybody's child anybody's sister anybody's right. you know, do- you know, I, I've got six children mm-hmm. I think about that every day, the safety of, of, of my children. I drop them Oops. off at the door at school. And when I go in to pick them up and I get buzzed in, I always think about, is this safe enough? Yeah. Is this truly safe enough? Yeah. If somebody wanted, and at, at the end of the day, it's out of our hands. If somebody truly wants to do something like that,
1: mm.
0: they'll find a way.
1: Yeah, because we don't have control over another person.
0: You, you you can't control other people's behavior. You can't control the fact that evil exists.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So acknowledging it, it exists and being being vigilant and talking to people, talking to your kids. Just
1: having a conversation. About having
0: it. a conversation. But even all of that, he didn't snatch her off the side of the road. No.
1: He, he went into her he house. He
0: shot their door open.
1: Yeah. I can't even
0: it's a comprehend. one it's a one in a million thing yeah it really is we could live our lives building walls up around our houses and have security cameras everywhere and mm-hmm. live our lives that way but then they've won also yeah the are very the very few evil people in this world right. I don't know what the answer is I hope they get a lot. I hope they get a lot of answers from this monster yes Before they put him away for the rest of his natural life, it's Wisconsin, so unfortunately there is no death penalty. Mm -hmm. And I say unfortunately because I just don't understand. Once once you've gotten all the information, I don't understand the point of keeping a monster like that alive. Mm. I, it's, it's. I'll be. I, I, I'm normally not a person who doesn't have anything to say. Yeah. But this, I, I'm the the flip side is the thing I have to say is, so thankful. Oh, that yeah. the the silver lining is that this girl is a survivor. Absolutely. And hopefully, she can heal as a human being. Yes. And go on and, and live a normal, productive life, and that her parents' memory is something that will keep her keep her keep her going for the rest of her life.
1: Right, and I also hope, you know, I think. I, it's important that we're respectful of her and her privacy. Absolutely. But I also think this is something that we need to remember and that it's not something that should be forgotten that this happened and that, like, the, the ordeal, the traumatic ordeal that this girl went through and how smart she was to escape. To I escape
0: and know his name and know where he was. She knew and his middle
1: name and the 911 call. Name. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you, I, I, th- I just think it's something that we should, like, not forget and continue to remember and have an open discussion about it, especially with with kids.
0: Um, I mean, this isn't the first time this has happened. I remember the story of JC Dugard yeah. and them finding her in that makeshift shack mm-hmm. or whatever we call it, behind their their house and how they had their entire backyard camouflaged so you couldn't tell what was going on there mm-hmm. and and she was able to escape and i believe she she gives speeches now and and she's you said uh
1: i think she's a book yeah a book yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: and this has gone on since the beginning of civilization that there are people out there who are just broken Mm -hmm. and they will go and harm innocent innocent people for absolutely no reason Mm. this has always been part of our history it always will be. Mm-hmm. It's something in their DNA something in their DNA that didn't line up right before they were born. Yeah. And the only thing we can really do is be aware, pray mm-hmm. and be vigilant. Yes. Be very vigilant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Did you ever see the special where they bring the puppies around and they see how many kids will go with them? No scary video mm-hmm. I think it was uh, I, I want to say 20 20 or 60 minutes or one of those sure. shows and they had the parents permission ahead of time to say do you think your child will go with a stranger if they're playing in a park and they have a guy or they have a lady come up with puppies oh do you like the puppies you want to come see them? I have more in my car will you come with me mm-hmm. and the number of six to nine year old children that would go with was mind-blowing as the overwhelming majority of them yeah and these parents were absolutely stunned because they had thought they had taught their children better
1: i saw one like a 60 minutes or a twenty twenty, um and it was like a food truck yeah and like or like an ice cream truck yeah. and kids who would like it was a test obviously and the parents had permission um and all these parents thought that their kids wouldn't like go on the ice cream truck if somebody offered them like free ice cream. I mean, we had an ice
0: cream truck coming through, our, we had an ice cream truck that used to come through our neighborhood and I gotta say, the guy was kind of creepy and scary. Yeah. And the kids would get all excited and be like, I don't want you talking to him. If the ice yeah. cream truck comes, you let me know. I'll
1: go I'll, I'll come. Go I'll you. come buy
0: ice cream with you. I don't care if it's an ice cream truck, even the ice cream truck, I've told them that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I almost ripped the guy's head off verbally because he went flying down our little residential road cul-de-sac oh. at about 40 miles an hour. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I came out there and I <laughs> flagged him down and he's like, "What can I get you?" I said, "Well, you and I use
1: some common sense."
0: <laughs> <laughs> you took the words out of my <laughs> mouth. I said, "You can get me some sense about. I think it's a sense about you." I said, yeah. "I said, Do you really want to sell ice cream in my neighborhood after driving forty-five miles an hour down the road, yeah. where you're going to kill somebody's kids
1: kid. around?" yeah Yeah
0: what is wrong with you i says if you ever come down my neighborhood again i promise you will never sell ice cream in this town again i will make sure every single person that i know you're, every single connection i have knows about you and who you are and you'll get pulled over every block
1: you're and it's a force just, to be reckoned with i hope i'm never on your your bad list don't hurt kids well done don't be Consider a, a don't be a bad
0: person <laughs> yeah. to other people you know oh, that's all man. it is that's yeah, it's true. we should all be forces to be reckoned with yeah you, you just have to Dig your feet in and stand in, stand up for what's right. Absolutely. Current Miss Kenosha, Maria Salerno, and she will continue to be Miss Kenosha for less than a month. She's giving her crown up on February 9th at the Miss Kenosha pageant being held at St. Joseph's Academy in Kenosha. You excited about giving it away?
1: It's bittersweet, but I'm excited for the next girl to wear the crown, absolutely.
0: What advice do you have for the next girl wearing the crown?
1: To make the most of the experience and to really get out there with your platform make a difference in the community make the most of the 12 months that you have this crown because it's it's really once in a lifetime that you get to have this opportunity um, and go on to compete at miss wisconsin i mean girls do it year after year but i think um it's just so, such a special time for you to be able to like serve the city that you love and that you're you're living in and i think that's really important
0: so. that, that's awesome so, in an ideal world, after you give the crown up and you're graduating, which we talked about, yes. what would the future hold for Maria Salerno if you could do whatever you want do you would you prefer a life in arts and entertainment and uh, being a, a a public figure, mm-hmm. or would you prefer a life in a more uh, traditional career path or have you have you given thought to that
1: I mean, I would like a life i guess as a public figure so i'm able to continue my work in the community um, and have a, a bigger voice to speak out about um, people with disabilities and an issue that's so close to my heart but i also wouldn't mind the traditional career path and that's kind of what i'm going to pursue right away after graduation um, i'll eventually go and get my mba or my jd at some point um, but yeah so i guess I don't really know what the future holds for me, which is a little bit scary. Yep. But I'm trying to be open to as many new opportunities as possible, and not really limit myself or have blinders on, and um, be open to whatever comes my way.
0: Well, you're gonna have to go back and watch my episode seven because we talk about mindset okay. with with Karen Bird, who is yep. a uh, hypnosis therapist. And let me tell you something now that I have learned through years and years and years: the power of getting clear mm. on what you want, and Building that and then living it in your mind as if it's actually happening now and happening now, the power of that visualization, mm-hmm. my advice to you is if you can learn to do that, use that power of visualization, get clear on what you want, what you'll find is that you'll get blown off course lots of times, but if you stay focused on that vision, sure. somehow things will come full circle mm-hmm. and you will end up being what you had visualized yourself being. Yeah. It won't be when you visualize that happening necessarily. But it'll happen for you, mm-hmm. and you said something about being worthy of ha- being a voice. I can tell you, you are worthy of having that voice. Well, thank you. I really like you as thank a person, you. and Feelings I like your, I, I like your <laughs> message, and I like what you're trying to do. And I am I'm a, I'm a fan. I am I am rooting openly for your success. Thank you. And I know that you are going to meet with uh, with great success when the time comes. I
1: appreciate Maria.
0: Thank you very much for being a guest.
1: Thank you, Ralph. That's
0: an amazing handshake, by the way. <laughs>
1: My dad taught and, uh, me well. <laughs> he
0: did. Your dad taught you well, and thank you for being a guest. Please come back again. I will. We'll do some serious stuff. We'll do some fun little skits. Uh, in fact, you're a singer, yes. so we'll have to get you in the car and get you doing some 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 music we'll with talk, us. We'll carry I can't can't wait to hear you sing. Yes. And thank all of you for tuning in to Get Real with Ralph. Thanks.